Welcome to episode 19 of the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Glenn Smith. As this episode publishes on Labor Day, it's the right time for a back-to-school episode. I resume teaching students tomorrow. Cross-country season has already begun for high school athletes, and recreational runners with school-aged children are done with their summer schedule and back-to-the-school-year routine, which can often have an impact on their training schedule. Before we kick off this back-to-school episode, Let's take a moment to review our last episode. Episode 18 included race reports from the Bunker Hill Trail Race and the dreaded Druid Hills 10K, a preview of late August and early September races, part three of an ongoing series on fall marathon training with Coach Buddy and TJ Bryan, running routes in Patapsco Valley State Park and Wakefield, Massachusetts, and of course an interview with Susie Serpico that explored her career as a multi-sport athlete. Susie has been competing as a multi-sport athlete, a triathlete, since she competed in the Columbia Triathlon in the late 90s as a teenager. In her career, she has been a top amateur and a professional at the Ironman distance, and then she moved on to multi-day events that blew my mind. She has juggled this athletic career with a full-time job as a teacher and helping her husband to run a race management company. If you miss this interview, you'll definitely want to go back to check that one out. This week's Back to School episode, includes two feature interviews from two very different perspectives. Uh, Nia Warren is entering her junior year at Digital Harbor High School and is a top cross-country and track runner in Baltimore City Public Schools. Our conversation focuses on her history as a youth runner and the role that running plays in the hectic life of a teenager, as well as some big goals that she's set. Coach Greg Horinda is a cross-country and track head coach at Pikesville High School. His program has been very competitive in Baltimore County against much larger schools and has a great culture amongst its athletes. This interview explores the life of a high school track coach and the impact that it has had on his coaching and his own running. We'll meet Coach Rinda and Nia in a few minutes, but let's get started first with some race reports. For a race report on Ragnar Appalachian Trails, which was held from August 10th through 12th, 2019, I'd like to welcome Karen Carey back to the podcast. Karen runs with the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and writes race reports as an ambassador for race advisors. Thanks for coming on, Karen. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. So, Karen, many people have probably heard of Ragnar Relay Races before. You know, typically these events are point-to-point over about 200 miles with 12-person teams and two vans. And, you know, each runner usually does about three legs of about six miles each to cover the distance. However, that's not quite the way this one was organized. So, let's talk first about the course and the structure of Ragnar Appalachian Trails. Okay. Well, what's wonderful is that it is literally just as you cross the border from Maryland into West Virginia. It's about a three and a half hour drive, but it's like you're in a different world. It's cooler up there. Um, it, it really is beautiful. I love the greenery and I really enjoy the whole camping with it. Um, it is still a two day relay race. Um, you can either be part of a regular team, which has eight members or the ultra team, which has four members, and you're breaking up a total of 116 miles. Uh, each member runs three loops, unless you're on an ultra team, in which you'd run six loops. The um, start itself, it's staggered start. So depending on what you say that your average pace is for your team members, they'll start you off earlier if your group is slower, or later if you're uh, a faster group. 
So let me tell you a little bit about the three different loops. First is the green loop. It's about three and a half miles. And during part of it, it's really pretty, but you actually run right along the West Virginia, Maryland line for about a mile and a half, which I think is kind of cool when you look at it on your Garmin. Next, you have the yellow loop. It's four and a half miles. Now, its plus is that it has a lovely pine forest. People talk about the pine forest. It's these rows of pine trees that look like they were part of a, a tree farm or something at some point. And I like running that one at night because it's really kind of spooky to have your headlamp just shine on the trunks of the trees. Um, last is the red loop. It's six and a half miles. And its plus is, is that you get to like scale some boulders. You go through some boulders and it also has these ferns that on me, I'm five foot eight and they were almost arm high on me. They were, they were easily to my elbows and you're running through these ferns and it's just absolutely beautiful. The yellow and the red loop do have a water stop on them, but it is a coupless race. So you do want to make sure that you carry either a cup or something, you know, to, to drink from, you know, carry your water pack, but also if you want to drink water, bring something with you. At least one of your loops is going to be in the dark. Uh, I suggest a headlamp and a bright hand light. I use the Nathan products because they're super bright. And that double light gives you good perspective on the rocks, the roots, and any hazards in your way. Um, the course itself is very well marked and all the signs are reflective. So, you know, as you're, even if you're running at night, as your headlamp hits them, you can see that you're on the green loop or you're on the yellow loop and all the turns are marked really well. And the reflective signs help, especially during uh, your night uh, loop. The um, red and yellow loops join together about a mile and a quarter from the exchange. And then the green joins in about a half a mile from the exchange and about a, a quarter mile. There's a chip reader that reads the, the, the bib, you know, just like on your regular races. And it lets your teammates know that you are almost at the exchange point so they can get into the exchange area and ready for you. Um, in that last quarter mile, you're running through the upper camp and all of the people are out there cheering you on. You know, they've got maracas or bells or whatever. So that last quarter mile really pushes you to, to get to that exchange point. Now, when all of your runners have run all their loops, it's tradition on the 24th loop for all of your team members to meet at the bottom of the bridge. And that way you climb the bridge, run over, and you finish as a team which I think is really great for, uh, you know, showing that it is a team event. And when you're done, you go to the Ragnar tent and they give you your medals as a bundle. So everybody gets their medals together. And when you line them all up, they have a saying about Ragnar, about how it's teamwork. And, you know, we, we worked on this together and together we are Ragnarians, which I think is really neat. Yeah, it sounds like a really special event and, uh, you know, definitely a different feel than uh, these long point-to-point -point road courses, uh, you know, it being trails and, and everything in one central location. And with that in mind, uh, you know, instead of having sort of small informal aid stations set up at various locations along a really long route, 
uh, there's more of an opportunity for a deluxe aid station set up there, uh, you know, at the exchange point. So, you know, what was the, you know, sort of festival environment there um, at the campground? Okay. It is called Ragnar Village. It's, uh, it's like the center of the campground. There's some camping over to one side and then the other side. Um, it's not far from the main set of porta pots and the showers, but there's a big pavilion. There's food trucks there. One of them was open 24 hours. So, you know, you could get a pizza at three o'clock in the morning if you wanted to. Um, in there, you had your first aid and medical tent. You had your official merchandise store. Um, and they also had things like headlamps and hats, you know, for anything you've forgotten. And of course, you know, the grand Ragnar themed merchandise. Um, there was a recovery zone this year that had like these sleeves that you could put on your legs and as I understand it, you could pay like one fee and go back as many times as you wanted um, to try those. Um, I, I heard a lot of good about them. I didn't do it myself, but it, but it seemed really cool. Um, there were a lot of vendors there. Um, for instance, they had a local brewery with beer for sale. Uh, you also receive a dinner ticket for your Friday night dinner as part of your registration. And you could use it at the food trucks that were there. Um, now, at night, because their camp is quiet between 10 and 6, Ragnar Village keeps moving, but at kind of a lower pace. They do show movies. Um, like, for instance, this year, they did show the movie Ragnarok. Um, and they also had a kid-based movie. And there's a big campfire and s'mores. And during the whole event, like every other hour, they'll do a contest for everybody. You know, because kids will bring... Or, Adults will bring their kids, um, make it a family event. And one of the fun games that my daughter took part in was Ragnarok, paper, scissors. And it started off with two lines and they played rock, paper, scissors until they were down to two people. And they actually gave a $75 prize. Well, it sounds like everybody had a lot of fun there. Uh, and, you know, again, this is at a campground. So I assume that you're camping out for the weekend of the event. So, and, you know, you've got family there. How did all that go? Uh, you know, it's a little bit different than being in your home or a hotel before race day. Exactly. The campground, it's Big Bear Lake. Um, as I said, it is right as you get into West Virginia. So it's not like terribly far away. Um, the campground opens at Thursday at five o'clock. And of course, you know, people want to get there to get, you know, their favorite camping spot. Um, there are two sections of camping. One of them is up in the trees, which is of course on the last end of the loop trails. And then there's like this, they call it the landing strip where it's very flat, free of rocks. If you'd rather, you know, not camp among the trees, there is a flat section where most people do camp. Um, and everyone decorates up their tents with their theme. They do have a contest for camp theme. Um, they usually announce it later. They don't do it there because they want to have time to think about it. Um, you can stay until Sunday afternoon if you like, but most people leave after their team is finished. You can cook in camp, but there is no campfires allowed um, for safety reasons. Um, it does cost to park there and parking's about two and a half miles away, but they do offer a free shuttle. There's a camp store that offers ice, beer, uh, candy, snacks, so on and so forth. And there's a free shuttle to take you both to that camp store and to your car if you need it. Um, now, something that Ragnar does is they do have glamping. 
So if you're either coming in from a far distance and you don't want to tote all of your camping gear with you, you can pay to glamp. It's about $200 a person. So divide that up for eight members of the team. It's total eight, 200 per person. Um, they do offer perks. For instance, they do have different bathrooms for the glampers. And uh, like it's, you know, the tenting, you have a cot. They also offer things like coffee and mimosas in the morning and things like that. So it's not just camping. They're offering a little bit extra if you decide to glamp. Um, the porta pots there at the campground are cleaned three times a day, which is really great. Um, there's three sections of porta pots. So there's one at the end of the airstrip, one near Ragnar Village, and then one near the tree camping. And um, there are hot showers. There's four stalls. And the line moves pretty quickly because everybody wants to basically get rinsed off uh, so that they can get, you know, whatever they're going to do between their loops. And they do um, ask that quiet time happen between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. So that if people want to get a rest, they can between their uh, running loops. It sounds like they really took care of you there and that there's sort of something for everyone. Uh, if you had to pick one thing that made it most special and would uh, be the reason why somebody should put this on the race calendar for next year, uh, what would you say that would be? Um, for me, it's like a mini vacation. It's getting away from the city. It's getting up to where it was nice and cool. It actually was getting down into the low 50s in the evening, which for August is great. Um we got a little bit of a rainstorm uh, on Thursday night, but, you know, the tent held up. Also, it's great for the challenge. You know, can you run three loops, 14 miles in a day and a half? Um, and I think one of the best things about this is that you're never alone on those trails. So if you fall and you get hurt because there are 250 teams running all at the same time, nobody is out there alone someone will come across you at some point. They do ask you to carry your cell phone, but you might not have a signal. So it's good to know that you're not out there alone. Well, yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like an awesome event. Uh, you mentioned, you know, there's quite a bit of mileage in there. How did it go for you, uh, you know, running? You know, how did it oh, feel? Wonderful. It's always a challenge for me, especially running that, uh, that loop at night. Um, during the day, it's hot and humid, but that, that cool loop at night really does kind of recharge the batteries. Um, I love hanging out with the team. Um, our group actually camped with one ultra team and one regular team. I was on the regular team. And we just had a great party while we were waiting to, for our next run. That's fantastic. And I know in the week after that event, you followed it up with a 10K and a four-ish miler on back-to-back -back days on Saturday and Sunday. So you're back to your old ways of cereal racing, Karen. Uh, uh, what's up next for you? Uh, what's up next? I am doing Ragnar Sunset, which is at the National Harbor, Maryland, which is at the bottom of the D.C. Beltway. We're going to be running um, a four-member team, four member team, and each member runs the four-and-a-half-mile loop twice. Um, so it's much shorter than the point to point 200 mile thing. Um, I think they had some problems with neighborhood people, so on and so forth. So they're doing this uh, chase the sunset idea um, as something different. Then I'm going to be doing the Twilight Trail race for the BRRC. And for the first time, I'm going to be doing the relay for Baltimore Running Festival. I have not done the relay yet. 
Yeah, that all sounds awesome. I did, the relay was actually my first event, uh, you know, back in 2015, uh, you know, when I first started back running. So uh, I like that final loop because you get to do the finish, but it's uh, it seems like you're really enjoying the team environment there. So that, that'll be a great event for you. Karen, uh, I also, as uh, mentioned earlier, you provide reviews for race advisors. For those who don't know, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about race advisors and how they can access your reviews of local races there? Sure, no problem. Um, Raceadvisors.com is the website, and you can get race reviews for running, biking, triathlon, uh, duathlon races all around the country. So if you want to look for something, you're planning a vacation, you can look for a race and read reviews not they're actually by the runners. They're not by groups. They're not by uh, papers or anything like that. They are race reviews by the people who run the races. It's raceadvisors.com. Okay. Thanks again, Karen, so much for coming on and, you know, hope to see you soon at a race. All right. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for having me again. For a race report on the River Valley Run 10K, I want to welcome Bruce Sadler to the podcast. Bruce runs for the Baltimore Roadrunners Club. Welcome to the podcast, Bruce. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. With you and your constituents. Yeah, absolutely. It's great having you on, Bruce. I've known you for a few years now, and... uh, you know, I must say, when I first uh, met you, I don't think you'd run a trail much more rugged than uh, the NCR. So what made you want to run the River Valley Run? Well, I was injured, and I couldn't run for about a year over the past year. And then I um, wanted to get back in, into things. And for some reason, I felt like running trails would be easier on my body. I don't know why. but that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing this year is all running trails. So I run um, three or four trail races this year, maybe five. And so I I ran River Valley a couple of years ago and I liked it. I liked the atmosphere and um, the beautiful place there. So so this year I did the 10K. A couple of years ago I did the 15. So Yeah, it was really very enjoyable. It was a perfect day for running. And um, a couple couple months ago, I was razzing Buddy Weber, and I said, "Buddy, why don't you uh, run the River Valley Ranch? You can pace me. Uh, you've never paced me before. Why don't you run with me?" And he just kind of smiled. Well, a couple of days later, he gets a hold of me and said that he signed up. So. <laughs> I figured I was in trouble then because he's going to run me into the ground, but uh, worked out pretty nice. Yeah, it's always a careful what you wish for when you start uh, ribbing <laughs> your buddies about running with you. So uh, you talked about the course up there at the River Valley Ranch. Uh, you know, I've uh, heard good things about it. It's one of the more popular uh, races of the year. What are some of the things that uh, runners could look forward to out there on that course? Well, first of all, it's a beautiful campus. There's a couple. Uh, stream crossings there's single track um, you know it's just it's just pretty and it's a good atmosphere you know I just like the mix of it all you know there's there's a little bit of everything 
and um, I mean it. I mean it was a little difficult parts of it, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy trail running. It doesn't seem as monotonous to me. And um, they changed the course up this year. The start and finish was at the same place. And uh, I like that. It worked out really well the way they did. It's very well run. They had over 100 volunteers there for the events. They had, they had a, I think they had a one mile like fun run. They had a 5K, a 10K, and a 15K. So. Yeah, I've always heard good things about this race. Uh, what are some of the special things they did maybe at the race village or uh, maybe kind of cool swag or, uh, you know, what are some of the sort of special features of the uh, race experience there that people might get if they came next year? Yeah. One thing is it's pretty well attended. They got, and they, they speak over the loudspeaker, you know, like when you're coming in at the finish, they announce your name out loud and things like that. They have a little area where they some um, different um, purveyors and like helping up mission was there and um, things of that nature where you can browse around a little bit. And they had a nice little box food afterwards. They, they were giving out River Valley Ranch travel mugs for people that made the podium and. Uh, Nice, nice metal, and you get a nice shirt with it too. So, very well done, and uh, nice cold icy towel at the end. <laughs> yeah, and these summer races, those are always uh, a nice thing to have there. So, you know, you got out there on the trails. You've been putting in the work before this one. So, how did you feel like you did? Uh, you know, how how was your performance? I felt like I did very well for where i'm at i've only i've got uh, less than 600 miles in since february so i'm still building my base but having buddy there uh pace me help because he's faster than i am and i i thought i might regret it in a way because i thought oh man he's going to push me beyond my (laughs) you know where i want to be pushed but uh he did really well encouraged me and um so that went that went good and, uh, we ended up finishing together and it was it was fun it was a lot of fun well now that you put up this uh strong performance at the river valley run uh what's up next for you bruce my next event is the patapsco trail fest it's a half marathon i think it's actually 13.9 miles so it's a little stretch for where I'm at right now. Am I, you know, coming back and getting back in shape? But um, I think I'll, I think I'll be all right for it. I've heard it's, it's a pretty tough course as well. Um, we're just going to move along and see how we, how, how things go. Well, that sounds awesome, Bruce. Uh, you're definitely starting to embrace that trail runners uh, mentality. Well, we'll just see how it goes, and uh, you know, we'll push through and get to. Th- to the finish. So, uh, glad you're able to come on and share a little bit with us, Bruce. I hope to see you soon out at a race. Sure thing, bud.
For a race report on the Annapolis 10-mile run, which was held on August 25th, 2019, I'd like to welcome Rachel Rosenblatt back to the podcast. Rachel runs all of the distances, including ultramarathons, and trains for the Baltimore Roadrunners Club and the Baltimore Pacemakers. Welcome back to the podcast, R2. (laughs) Thanks, Glenn. It's good to be back. Oh, it's awesome to have you here. Rachel, of course, ultramarathon season is fast approaching, and I know you've got to have some trail races on your calendar. So what made you want to run the Annapolis 10-miler on the road? Um, So we have to go back to last year, which I don't remember why (laughs) I ran it last year. I'd actually run this race, uh, I want to say maybe four years ago. And, you know, I liked it and everything, but it just never got back on my calendar. And for some reason, last year, a whole group of us decided to run it again. So there's a picture from last year, about 10 people from, you know, BRC all standing together before the race. So... Uh, apparently we had all talked last year and decided to run it. And then once you sign up for the race and have done the race, they send you an email when registration opens and there's, you know, early bird specials and there's actually like an extra special code um, the first day that registration opens. So it's, it's a pretty reasonably priced race and it's, you know, it's 10 miles. It's not horrendously far. Uh, You know, it can be hot, but it's, it's a fun race. And and I'll talk about why it's a really nice race to do but i think it was just one of those well we did it last year and we all got the email and made sure we all signed up early to do it again yeah and it's definitely one of those classic uh races that's been around uh you know over 40 years now and Mm -hmm. uh, you know put on by you know annapolis striders you know well-regarded running club so it's got a great reputation great premium but it's also known for some of its challenges as well uh in addition to the typical August heat, um, which you didn't actually have to deal with this year, which was right. really nice. Yes. Um, but yeah, what, tell us a little bit about the event and, uh, you know, what sort of challenges and, uh, you know, fun things are going on out there. Sure. Um, so it's, it's actually a decently sized race. It's over 3000 runners, but you never really feel that it's overcrowded. It's the logistics of this race are really, I find very easy, uh, compared to some other races that I've done that are similarly sized. Uh, you can do same day bib pickup, which is great because I don't necessarily want to drive down there an hour or so each way the day before the race and the race is on Sunday. So you can do same day bib pickup. Um, they have a very small expo there. Uh, the parking is right at the stadium. So the start finishes at the stadium and the parking's right there. So you don't need to deal with a bag check. You're pretty close to your car at the start and finish. Um, when you do your pick, bib pickup, you get some sort of swag this year it was a hat i think last year was a hat and a bottle opener um and then the way the race works just like a lot of other races you have a finisher premium which i'll talk about in a little bit and the race starts very early it starts at seven which you know this year it didn't matter so much because of the weather as you mentioned the weather was just gorgeous but typically 7 a.m for an august race is really helpful um you get started before it gets too hot and since it's 10 miles, you're not out there in the middle of the day. And they do have a strict cutoff. So it's a two and a half hour cutoff because they do block so many roads and they need to reopen those. Um, so the other nice thing about this race is they do have pace groups. Um, I've never run with the pace groups for the race, but they do have pace groups. I want to say the fastest might be 70 minutes and the slowest maybe two hours. I'm not sure. So I tried to stay ahead of the one behind me. I mean, ahead of the one, yeah, ahead of the one behind me and tried to catch the one in front of me. 
Um, so the beginning of the race does get a little bit crowded in the first mile or so. You have to get out of the stadium and go around the roads, you know, try and spread you out a little bit. And then you go through Old Town. And after, I want to say about mile four, you hit kind of the, the first um, challenge in the race. You have to go over the bridge. And I, the three times I've run this race, I always walk on the way over, on the way out, because I know I have to hit it on the way back. And I try to run on the way back in. So you have to go over the bridge. And um, there's a photographer, of course, out there uh, taking pictures as you're trying to struggle up the bridge. So then you go through some neighborhoods. And the neighborhoods are nice because they're shaded. But once again, there's a lot of hills back there. There's an out, a little out and back section. And that you, you get to run down. And then you realize you have to turn around and come back up. So that's a, a tough part in the race. Um, you then finish running through the neighborhoods, but people have set up sprinklers and little aid stations that you know, are not the official ones. And you run along a little bit stretch of road before you have to go back over the bridge. And that's around mile, I want to say eight and a half-ish. So the cool thing was when we were heading out on the bridge, the leaders, because they're so fast, were already coming back over. And so that's really neat. You get to hear the, the sirens and, and horns and the, the cars leading the way and cheer the leaders as they're, they're coming over. And they were flying. They were, I want to say, 50 minutes or so, I think, um, for, for the 10 miles. So, um, But in terms of the challenges, like for me, it's a hilly race, but I've done hillier races. So the the challenge is when you have that plus the heat, it, it can be a little bit tricky. But it's a it's a really fun race. And, you know, even with the summer heat, they take a lot of precautions. They have a lot of aid stations. And something that I'm not sure how many other local races have, they have runners out on the course running different paces with um, vests on and walkie-talkies that are medical staff. They're running alongside you. So that if something happens, you don't have to get to an aid station before you can get medical help. It definitely sounds like they've uh, taken the the traditional heat into account. Uh, mm -hmm. I had never I had never seen medical runners until uh, Raysa did yesterday the the Charles Twelve. Oh, okay. And again, and you you kind of hope you never you know when you see them, it's a uh, it's like well glad you're here. Hope we never have to, right. to use you. But and uh, it wasn't too warm yesterday. But it sounds like. Uh, they kind of uh, have a lot of the similar setup to mm -hmm. the Arbutus 10K, uh, you okay. know, another traditional 10, uh, you know, hilly, mm -hmm. uh, hot course with a lot of sprinklers, a lot of, a lot of aid stations. Mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like there's good community support down there, there is. at Annapolis. And mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned the finishers premium situation. Mm -hmm. That's actually yes. one of the most contentious things about this race. Uh, for those who maybe haven't encountered that in a race, kind of how does that uh, work and uh, why is it a little controversial? Um, I guess I haven't heard that it's too controversial because I've run a lot of races where you don't get something unless you're finished. But uh, you, you don't actually get the premium. So you, you paid for the race and you have to pull out for some reason. You don't get the, the more elaborate premium unless you finish the race. Now, they do say if you finish at, say, two hours and 31 minutes, they're not going to be like, oh, boo, you, you missed the cutoff. Um, but if you were, you know, if you had to get pulled because you were, you know, half hour behind or something, I, I guess you don't get the premium. And the premiums um, 
have been pretty cool. The, the year I did it about four years ago, it was, it was an okay premium. Last year was a jacket with zip off sleeves. And this year was a quarter zip, a pretty thick quarter zip. Um, they also in, started this year with giving out a medal also at the finish. So that was new. They, they hadn't done medals before. They'd only done the finisher premium. Um, the one hiccup for this year was actually the finisher premium. So it's a, a really nice premium, but it was cut a little bit oddly. So um, R1 and I actually, we ended up not going to the after party um, because we were standing in line to try to exchange our premiums because they were, the women's were cut kind of strange, I guess. Like I couldn't get my hand through the sleeves. So I was able to exchange mine and they're actually doing an exchange at, I, I want to say, I want to say maybe the running, is it Charm City? Is, uh, one of the running stores in Annapolis. They were, they were going to do a, a, another exchange because they knew that people were like, uh, a, a little disappointed in the sizing with, and that happens a lot, unfortunately with races. I've, I've had a lot of races where the sizing has been very strange, but I was able to, to exchange, um, for a different size. So that worked out, but I, I, I guess some people think that if you paid for the race, you should get everything. Um, I, I don't know if that was what you meant by the controversy. Uh, yeah, that's definitely what I've, uh, been kind of hearing from those who are used to doing road races uh mm -hmm. you know normally you know if there's sort of a an incentive package or you know sort of a swag uh kit for the right. race and everybody gets it and usually you get it at you know bib pickup but right. you're right in the ultra running scene you know if you finish a little too late in the race they might uh you know smash your mug or something <laughs> right, right. Uh, but so you're right in the ultra scene that's not not too strange um and now you mentioned there was an after party afterwards. Uh, yes. Is this a little more elaborate or is this, you know, the typical you have a beer coupon at the bottom of your bib uh, or do they go a little bit bigger? I don't know if you have bib coupons. I think it's unlimited. I can't be 100% certain because I didn't actually go and get any beer this year. But they first you go through, you get your cold towels and your water and everything with your and then your metal and your premium. And then you before you get to the beer area. Uh, there's bagels and bananas and I think freezy pops and things like that. And so then in the, the, where the beer is, I, I think they had two different kinds of beer and there's a band playing um, and everybody's, you know, standing around drinking and, and talking and everything. And then they also, they start doing the awards around, I think 10 AM. Um, and that's in that same area. And the awards are very nice. They're uh, a pot type of a pottery. Um, I don't know exactly what the shape of it is, but, they're very nice awards if you place in your age group or overall. So, uh, but we just didn't get to really uh, stay at the, at the party. I had to get to work, unfortunately, actually, <laughs> and with standing in line for the premium, we just went in, found a couple people said hi, then left. So, but I think it's pretty fun. I think a lot of people stayed for a while and you know, drank and ate. Well, yeah, it seems like there's a lot of things there for uh, folks to be interested in. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of makes sense why it's such a large race, can, even though, uh, you know, it's usually pretty miserable conditions out there. But mm -hmm. uh, so given all of that, uh, you know, how did it go for you? How did you feel about your effort out there? So I went into it injured. Um, I had a little injury a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm currently in physical therapy for it. So I wasn't sure although i did run 10 miles a day before to i guess test it out i know this sounds a little crazy but um with the weather i was hoping that i could at least be close to the time i had last year and and i was it was 
my pace was all over the place. I don't think I could ever be a pacer. My pace was at like six miles under 10 minutes and then like four miles over 11 minutes or something like that. But um, my overall time was only about a minute slower than last year. So I was pretty happy with it. And I just felt very comfortable because the weather was was so good. So I think it went well. Um, I really didn't know how my body would react you know, with the injury and with the running 10 the day before, but it, it seemed to go okay. So um, I was pretty happy with it. You know, I would have liked to have been able to push it a little bit more with the weather being so good to try and either PR or, or PB at least, but you know, I, I, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, despite being a little dinged up, you've still got the fitness to be able to go out there and put up a strong effort. So mm-hmm. congratulations on that. So with all that said, again, ultra marathon season coming up, uh, you know, what sort of races are you looking forward to this fall? So, um, today, the day that we're actually recording this, I, I just finished about five and a half hours at impaired judgment, which is a, a fat ass event put on by the trail dogs up in Delaware. Um, labor pains is the 12 hour race in, I guess it's Pennsylvania. It's a little more elaborate with aid stations and premiums and things like that. And this, this is more just, Hey, go out and run. If you feel like recording your distance, we'll record your distance. Uh, so I did that today. And then um, I have the Virginia Happy Trails Women's Half Marathon. It's a, a trail half marathon um, coming up. Then I have Patapsco Trail Fest Marathon, which um, I'm hoping to redeem myself from what happened two years ago. And after that... Uh, I think I have trails for tails somewhere in there. Maybe I think that's a 40 miler, but I'm not sure I'm doing 40 at that. Then Hershey. No, wait, Bachman Valley's in there somewhere. That's another road race. That's fun. Um, coming up Westminster road runners club. Hershey. Tapsco Valley 50 K. Then stone Mill. I feel like I'm leaving something out. Well, if you are, uh, you know, it might just be your weekends that you're leaving out. I mean, you know, some people take weekends off, you know, they, they, you know, maybe just go for a little 10 mile training run with their friends, but no, this fall, it sounds like you're going to be super busy, but I, we all expect that all of us that know you. So Rachel, thank you so much for coming in and talking, uh, Annapolis 10 miler with us. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely be looking forward to, following you this fall, especially to see how you do at Stone Bill. I know that's your first 50 miler and uh, was sort of your big goal for the year. So, uh, you know, good luck, uh, you know, in yeah. your recovery, though. I don't know how you recover with all this racing, but, you know, <laughs> try your best. And, uh, you know, we'll catch up with you later in the fall. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Glenn. looking to race in September, take a look at these events. At 6.45 a.m. on Sunday, September 8th, the Montgomery County Roadrunners present the 18th annual Parks Half Marathon. This course traverses Rock Creek Park from north to south, starting at the Shady Grove Metro Station and finishing near the Grosvenor Metro, which allows uh, participants to take the Metro back to their cars at the end. It's a big race for a local running club with nearly 3,000 runners accepted for the half marathon and the relay. Late registration is still available as of Labor Day and costs $90 for individual runners and $100 for a pair of relay runners.
The course is made for speed, with a net downhill elevation profile and just a few short uphill sections. Runners can expect fluid stations every two miles, a coveted commemorative race shirt, finisher's premium, and a party at the end in the new runner's village. Go to parkshalfmarathon.com for more information and to sign up. A little closer to home, also on September 8th, Sunday at 8 a.m., go run the Fall into Fitness 5K, the latest in a $5 5K series brought to you by the Baltimore City Department of Recreation and Parks and Charm City Run. This is a point-to-point course from Silburn Arboretum to Druid Hill, uh, finishing near the Maryland Zoo. For this race, participants will park near the finish and be shuttled to the start light at Silburn Arboretum. The cost is still just $5, and the proceeds benefit parks of recreation programs in Baltimore City. So get out there and run the Fall into Fitness 5K on September 8th. Also on September 8th, uh, Sunday at 8.46 a.m., Run the Mercy Run to Remember 5K and 11K presented by Brooks. This event starts in front of the 9-11 Memorial in front of the World Trade Center on Pratt Street at the Inner Harbor. This event honors the victims, survivors, and rescuers that were impacted by the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, and benefits the Baltimore City Police and Fire Foundations to assist families who've lost a loved one in the light of duty. The race is finished in scenic Federal Hill Park and give runners awesome views of the Inner Harbor and downtown Baltimore. Go to runsignup.com to search for the Mercy Run to Remember 5K and 11K on September 8th and to sign up. On September 14th at 8 a.m., check out the 6th Annual Little, Little Sisters of the Poor Nun Run 5K and One Mile Run Walk. This race starts and ends at St. Mary's Seminary and University at the corner of Rollett Avenue at Northern Parkway, North Baltimore. Registration costs $40 for the 5K and the One Mile Fun Run, and the proceeds benefit St. Martin's Home and the Little Sisters of the Poor Baltimore. Go to Run Sign Up to register and www.littlesistersofthepoorbaltimore.org for more information on the Nun Run 5K and One Mile Run Walk on September 14th. On Sunday, September 15th at 8 a.m., the Baltimore Roadrunners Club presents the 40th Annual Executive Stampede 5K in Hutt Valley. Runners can participate as individuals, but consider running this as part of a team from your business or organization. Teams must have at least three members in their award categories for businesses, education, government, and nonprofit teams, as well as runners in the open division. Registration in advance is $25 for runners 17 and older and $30 on race day, and includes a performance t-shirt. Runners 16 and under receive free entry for this race and may purchase a race t-shirt for $15 if they want one. This race raises money for the Charlie Reynolds Memorial Scholarship Fund, which awards scholarships to graduating high school student-athletes each year who demonstrate a commitment and passion for running. Go to www.brrc.com for more information on the Executive Stampede 5K on Sunday, September 15th at 8 a.m. and to sign up. I also want to share a couple of opportunities to get the little woods in your life outside and running. The Healthy Kids Running Series begins on September 15th locally at Lock Raven High School and at Life Source Church in Perry Hall. Uh, these events include races at distances ranging from 50 yards to one mile. For more information on this weekly youth running series and to register and to find the one nearest to you, go to healthykidsrunningseries.org for to search by zip code for the one that's closest to where you live. Charm City Run is also hosting a series of seven 
fall cross-country races for girls and boys 12 and under, starting with a race at Gilman School in Baltimore on September 8th. Go to charmcityrun.com slash calendar slash kids for more information on the kids cross-country series. Now, remember when I talked with Trent Swanson about that crazy-sounding Pemberton 24, a festival of 5Ks? You know, where you get to run a 5K each hour starting on the hour for 24 hours? That race is fast approaching starting on Friday, September 20th at 7 p.m. and finishes with a .6-mile run at 7 p.m. on Saturday, September the 21st. Registration ends on September 8th and costs $60 whether you would have run one 5K the whole 24 hours or any number of 5Ks in between. Go back to episode 11 to learn more about this unique event or go to pembertonpark.org for more information on the Pemberton 24. On Saturday, September 28th at 9 a.m., head on over to Lake Montebello to run the 11th annual Marion House Race to Embrace Independence 5K Run and Walk. The Race to Embrace Independence is a fun, family-friendly, and festive celebration to support and highlight the successes of Marion House women moving from dependence to independence. This event raises funds for housing, food, clothing, education, and very much more to support homeless women and children in the Baltimore community. Registration costs $35 for adults participating in the 5K or one-mile family fun run walk and $20 for children under 12 for the fun run. You can also add $20 to your registration to sponsor a married housewoman for the race. Each pre-registered participant will receive an event performance t-shirt and will be treated to entertainment and food at the Family Race Village. This race benefits a great cause, so go to marionhouse.org for more information on the Marion House Race to Embrace Independence on September 28th and to sign up. If you want to run a little bit further on Saturday, September 28th, check out my discussion with the race organizer for the Susquehanna River Running Festival, Dominic Corson, back in episode 17. To recap this event briefly, there's a 5K, 10K, half marathon, and relay starting and ending at Havre de Grace in Harford County. This event is presented by the Alcest Ski Scholarship Fund and raises money to provide scholarships for graduating scholar-athletes in Harford County as they begin their college education. The 5K runs around Havre de Grace, and the longer events include one or two crossings of the river on the Hatem Bridge uh, on Route 40, and also loop through the town of Perryville and Perry Point Veterans Hospital grounds in Cecil County. The views, course support, and finishers village are top-notch and are focused on a great experience for the rudders, including a hot race, uh, a hot post-race food buffet, beer, and music. The half marathon includes pace groups led by the Baltimore Pacemakers, and I'm pleased that I'll be able to lead one of these groups again for the second consecutive year. If you would like more information, check out episode 17 for a full discussion at the event and go to SusquehannaRunFest.org for more information and to register. Now it's time for Coach's Corner, where I'll be talking with Coach Buddy to get some advice for improving your running. Buddy Weber is an RRCA certified running coach with the Baltimore Roadrunners Club. Good to have you back, Coach. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. So what are we going to be learning about this week? 
Glenn, what I'd like to do is really have a continuation from the topic we touched on uh, during our last episode with T.J. Bryan uh, when we were having the discussion around nutrition and what she was doing. I think this would be a really good opportunity to to share some thoughts with our listeners on what to do about uh, nutrition. And while today's topic is for all level runners, I want to remind everyone that we're all individuals and one size doesn't fit all. Uh, And I'll give an example of this later on. Uh, But in in this episode, we'll touch on what to do during training, uh, right before a race, and then again after your race. All right. So what should we do in our training? Uh, You know, what should I be eating during training runs? uh, Or is that more of a race thing? Well, let's talk about what you should do during uh, your training period uh, for your regular meals. Uh, really, uh, a good balanced diet is really what you should be aiming for. Maybe a, a slight preference for to proteins for muscle repair, uh, but at this point during your training, uh, you don't want to go heavy one way or the other. Just a real balanced diet is is uh, really preferential. Uh, and nutrition during the workout is uh, important, and it uh, should also uh, mimic what you're going to do on race day. But it really begins before the workout. It's a good idea to have something to eat about two hours before the run, especially if you're running first thing in the morning. Uh, During training for distances for a half marathon and up, uh, once your training uh, takes longer than an hour, you may want to consider using a gel, chew, or some other carbohydrate drink every 30 minutes during your run, aiming for about 100 calories. So from your experience, uh, is there any particular types of nutrition products that have worked for you during your training? Well, well, for me, Glenn, it's been a matter of trial and error and something worked and then stopped working and then I, I, I switched. So for me, what I do is uh, my, after my first three miles into a run, I start off with a gel uh, as well and chase that with a hydration drink, about three ounces. And then Another three miles in, then I go with a chew. I found that uh, having gel on top of gel didn't work for me. It kind of sat like a rock in my stomach after the second gel. So uh, alternating between gels and chews have really worked out quite well for me. And you're right. It really is a matter of preference. Uh, I can't eat the gels at all. They, um, I just don't like the taste. They don't feel good. But uh, So, you know, I prefer real food. Uh, as much as I can. Sometimes it's gummy bears. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, dried fruit. And then, you know, usually some sort of uh, carbohydrate beverage with usually the ones that are a little saltier uh, work for me. So, yeah, it's really something that you just have to test out. So then what about racing? Uh, You know, what do we eat for racing and how do things sort of change, uh, you know, from what you might do during your training? Well, one thing I want to touch on also is what to do after your training run. Uh, it, it, it's really a good idea that uh, you have something small to replenish your energy, uh, like a simple carb- carbohydrate such as fruit, yogurt, some other uh, milk product, uh, or maybe a protein drink. Uh, just something to top off that energy so that you don't go through the day feeling a few quarts low. Um, but, uh, really what you want to do for the race is have practiced that well in advance. Uh, 
and you really want to mimic what you're going to do on race day. Uh, if I can give an example, uh, my training partner and one of our coaches at BRC, uh, Randy Rittenauer, we were training for the uh, Rehoboth Beach Marathon last fall. Uh, and things for him, nutrition-wise, were going real well in, until we hit our first really long mile of 16 miles. Uh, after about 14 miles in, uh, he really had nothing left, and he had struggle uh, struggle keeping up. Uh, and that problem kind of continued on for our next several long runs. I mean, he seemed to struggle the last two miles. It, it wasn't a matter of conditioning. It's just that his nutrition wasn't working well for him any, anymore at the end of the run. Uh, he, finally, uh, at, during our last run of 22 miles, he was able to dial in his nutrition. Uh, and it, that approach worked well on race day. Okay, so then when it came to race day uh, for you or for Randy, uh, you know, what should we be doing? I mean, you know, as far as uh, how much to eat beforehand, what about the night before, days before, you know, what do you do for a race? Well, perhaps Glenn and our listeners have heard of carbo-loading. Uh, and carbo-loading uh, is uh, where you eat carbohydrates to maximize the storage of uh, glycogen or energy in the muscles and the liver. Uh, now, for our listeners, carbo-loading is generally recommended for endurance events lasting longer than about two hours. So for a 5K or 10K, you're never going to get to the point where you're going to tap into those stores. But maybe for a half marathon for someone who's racing longer than two hours, and it would definitely help in a, uh, a marathon. But the, the recommended way to carbo-load is, is not just to have a carbo-rich meal, which would be uh, rice, potatoes, or pasta the night before, but actually do it three days before. So for me, what I do with carbo-load, I found, found that uh, pasta works great. Pasta marinara for three straight nights, uh, nothing heavy. I don't even use the sauce that I make myself because I, I aim for a very spicy sauce. Uh, I go out to dinner with my wife three nights in a row. She absolutely loves it, but we have Italian, and I just get pasta marinara, and that really works. For other people, uh, potatoes work well, and, and still uh, for others, rice is good. Uh, and then during race day, same thing. As I mentioned, do what you did during training. You don't want to do anything new on race day. Uh, you, you have that pre-race meal approximately uh, two hours before the race. Uh, and, and then just like you did during training, uh, whatever that was, every 20, 30 minutes or like me, every three miles works well. Uh, and hopefully you were able to dial in your nutrition on, on training so that uh, you, you can have a successful race day. Well, that all sounds good, uh, Coach. Uh, any other helpful hints related to uh, nutrition and racing for us? Yeah, just as I, I mentioned at the start, we're all individuals, and what might work for me, what might work for you, isn't going to work for the next person. Uh, and, and let me give you an example. Uh, I was uh, recently on a group one with one of our loyal listeners, Alan Hirsch, uh, and during the run, he mentioned he only ate about a quarter of a bagel prior to a 50K race. And I joked with him and asked him if I needed to invite him to the half marathon training group when we had our talk on nutrition. And he joked back and he said uh, he'd wait for it to come out on the podcast. Uh, anyway, as we, we continue on, on the run, uh, he mentioned that he typically eats about three hours prior to a race. Uh, however, he really values his rest. And uh, just as with this race, he had to get up very early to get there. He didn't want to get up any sooner uh, than he had to. So because he values his rest over the nutrition side, uh, he, he just ate a little bit uh, and that worked out well for him. 
but this didn't happen by accident. It, it comes with practice. It comes with trial and error, just like it did for Randy. He had to work things out. And just, it ha- just with Alan, you have to figure out what works for you. Yeah, I mean, that really is true. Uh, really, it comes down to not making a bunch of big changes from your normal uh, eating, sleep, um, you know, preparation routine. Because if you're trying out a bunch of new things on race day, it's probably going to go uh, pretty badly for you, even if it's quote unquote what the experts uh, or, you know, the pros would have done. So that's all great advice, coach. Uh, if people wanted to reach out to you directly to ask questions or, uh, link up with you for some coaching. Uh, how could they do that? First thing I do is I'd encourage people to check out the training pages at the Baltimore Roadrunners Club. You can find us at brrc.com. Uh, they can reach out directly uh, via email, runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, look me up on Twitter uh, at runningcoachbud. That's all fantastic, Coach. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk with you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Glenn. Every time I see you, baby, feel like love is something new. For Baltimore's best running routes, we are continuing a series of running routes that highlight area parks. This week, our run will begin in Silburn Arboretum, located just south of Northern Parkway on Greenspring Avenue. Silburn Arboretum has both paved paths and woodland trails on the grounds of the former summer home of a wealthy Baltimore biting bag date that includes beautiful gardens, wide lawns, and the historic mansion house. Soon the trails will connect with Northwest Park and will travel over North Northern Parkway via a new bridge that has been constructed over it. I posted a three-mile trail map on our website at runningaroundbmore.wixsite.com slash podcast that will give you a taste of the trails available available at Silburn Arboretum, just in time for you to enjoy the changing colors of the trees this fall. Be warned, though, it's pretty hilly, so don't be afraid to hike those uphills while you are enjoying one of Baltimore's best running routes. For this week's destination run, we're going to travel down to Hotlanta, I mean Atlanta, Georgia, to run the Beltline. The Beltline is part of a wide-ranging urban development program in Atlanta and connects 45 different neighborhoods along a 22-mile loop of multi-use trails, parks, and a modern streetcar line. There are 33 miles of trails in the Beltline, and runners can expect to see beautiful parks, art exhibits, and even have an opportunity to participate in free fitness classes. For more information, Go to Beltline.org to learn more about this project and to find maps of the trails. So head on down to Atlanta uh, to run the Beltline and enjoy your destination run. Before we get to this week's interview, I want to share some ways that you can connect with the show. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I'll be posting periodically to provide show updates, and you can message me directly to share feedback on the episodes and make suggestions for future guests or segments, and of course to ask any questions. If there's an event that you would like us to highlight, just tell me about it. If there's a person that you feel the community should get to know, I'm always looking for recommendations for future guests. We also have a show website at runningaroundbmore.wixsite.com slash podcast. There, you will find all the running routes shared on the show, links to the episodes on all the different podcast sites, and other key information. 
I would also very greatly appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the show and write a review on your preferred podcast player. If you like what we're doing, tell your friends about it on social media or when you're out on your next group run. I really appreciate all your support because I couldn't do any of this without you. Without further interruption, let's get to this week's interviews. I'm thrilled to be speaking with Nia Warren. Uh, Nia is a junior at Digital Harbor High School and competes for their cross-country and track teams. Nia, welcome to the Red and Red Baltimore podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so thrilled to have you on. Uh, so you've built quite a resume over the past few years as a prep runner, but how did you get started as an athlete? I got started um, as an athlete in middle school, my eighth grade year. My science teacher, also the track coach, Mr. Johnson, got me to run track at Baltimore Design School. And from there, um, that's how I knew I started to like to run. And um, I went to my first track meet and I ran the 800 meter dash and I won. And I was like, I think this is something that I want to do like for like in like the future years. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this. Like I want to be dedicated to it. And yeah, from there, that's when I started to do, I got into athletics. Well, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, that first taste of success uh, probably was a big motivator. But as you've gone through, what do you like best about running? I like the fact that it's not a contact sport. It's all about your like your mentality, like your mental state, like whether you're determined or not. And I also like the fact that you can run apart, like in relays, for example. Um, you're still a team, and it still counts as a team, but you're running by yourself at the same time also based on you so yeah that's what i like so you know since you've become a high school runner what have been the biggest improvements that you've seen in in your running um you know as you've stepped up to a higher level of competition um my biggest improvement i would have to say is how i got mental mentally and physically stronger um my coach has been a tremendous impact on me and like my mental state also because like at track meets i would usually get scared or nervous and he helped me do that and he always said that when running it's 90 percent mental and 10 percent physical so that 90 percent mental is you on that track and you running and it's all based on you and your mentality yeah and uh that's something i've certainly found as a runner over the years as well have you found that you know working on your uh sort of mental game here as a runner has helped you in the classroom or in other aspects of your life? Yes, it definitely has. It's opened a new perspective for me on certain things. Um, especially in the classroom, it's helped um, help me balance, like balance track and school at the same time. It's all a mental thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's something you brought up being, you know, having to balance being an athlete and a student. What sort of sacrifices have you felt that you've had to make to be able to pursue your goals as a runner? Yes. So my freshman year, I was at Western High School, and the coaching was not the best fit for me. So I transferred to Digital Harbor um, to be under Coach Bakari. And I sacrificed many friendships at Western. Um, and because of my track and like because of my running schedule and other things, I don't have as much of the social life as I would like, but I persevere. I persevere through that and and you know keep it going. 
Yeah, well, and obviously, if it was something that you weren't really enjoying, you would make those sacrifices. Uh, yes. But uh, you, you know, you've done really well. Uh, you know, you've accomplished quite a bit uh, in your young career. But what have you been your favorite races, or maybe your biggest accomplishment so far as a runner? Um, my biggest accomplishment, I would have to say, is making it to New Balance Nationals because that was my goal my freshman year to do so. And I was just really working hard that year. I was like, I have to make it. Like, I need to make it. I started setting goals for myself, like writing on post-it notes my goal everywhere so I could see it to, like, strengthen my mental state. Like, I'm going to run this time in order to qualify and go with my relay. And we made it to New Balance Nationals. Oh, my, my sophomore year. I'm sorry. I said my, my sophomore year. I'm sorry. No. I transferred to digital. Yeah, and that that's great, though. I mean, you'd only been running a few years, and you made it, you know, amongst the best high school runners uh, in the country. And, you know, you've had other accomplishments closer to home. I, you know, I checked into your uh, record a little bit. One thing I remembered was that you were one of the top 50 or so finishers in the Baltimore uh, Running Festival 5K last year, putting up a pretty fast time. I think you were, like, the sixth fastest female of any oh. age in that race, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, what got you into that one? Um, actually, my grandmother Hazel Teal got me into running the road race. At first, I was like, "No, I'm not doing that," <laughs> you know, because I was just like, "No." But then, um, I was like, "I'm going to do this run at the bottom of running festival," and I ran. And also, uh, like other teammates ran with me from Digital Harbor, also. So it was also nice to have them with me. Um, and I ran there. And I would have to say, like, completely different experience to run with complete strangers who had the same goal to finish the 5K. You know what I mean? Like, sure. um, well, and, and you're used to running with, with other high schoolers, and here you're running with people of all ages. And, uh, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, that course actually runs not that far from your school. I mean, you're running the streets as opposed to running the track. Uh, it's totally different experience. Yeah. I, yeah. But you really killed it out there. I mean, did you like road running once you gave it a shot? Yes, I, I really did. It was really fun and a good experience. And at the end, when they give you the apples and the milk and stuff, <laughs> it, it, it was nice. I liked, I liked it a lot. It was a great experience. And I would do it again. I think I'm going to do it again this year. Yeah, well, that's awesome. I definitely would be very interested to see what you're able to do out there. Uh, though I imagine that distance is a little bit longer than what you normally do. Outside of the cross country yes, season, anyway. Uh, but you do run cross country, and you actually were the uh, won the Baltimore City Championship last year as a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, and, and by quite a gap. I mean, over the second place runner, I think you might have been about a minute faster. Uh, do you yes. like cross country running, or are you really prefer uh, the track running? Um, I would have to say cross country is more like preparation for indoor and outdoor. It's like the base work that you have to have, especially being a middle distance runner. Like you can't like, uh, like it all come, like five, the 5k all comes into your main events because like my coach right now, we're doing like long distance work, like eight miles, not even close to a 5k. But once I get acclimated to running eight miles, three miles will seem quick and easy and fast so these three miles are like a base work for the mile the eight and even the four just that endurance that speed because you need endurance to run the um like my, my events 
for indoor and outdoor. Yeah, once you run those longer distances, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of running short distances myself. Uh, you know, I just don't have those fast twitch fibers. But, uh, you know, once you run some of those longer distances, uh, you know, you know you can gut it out for those, you know, last few meters of, of a short race if you built up that uh, built up that base there. So, you know, you've got, uh, you know, cross-country season coming up and then indoor and outdoor after that. Uh, do you have any goals for this school year's uh, running season? Yes, um, my goal is to become an All-American both indoor and outdoor seasons. And to also make it to World Juniors um, in Kenya, actually, and hit that qualifying time to go there for my events. Wow. World Juniors. That, that's amazing. Uh, goal yes. to set. And, uh, you know, I really hope that, uh, that we'll see you meet those goals. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation so far. Uh, we've you. just got a couple of questions here at the end, what we call our cool down questions. Uh, with this first question, it's uh, about your goals going forward. Uh, where do you see running fitting into your future? And I'm going to give you three options, but you know, feel free to give a different answer you like. Um, option one, uh, you're just trying to have fun with it and don't really have any expectations built up. Option two, you want to use running to get a scholarship to college to support your academic goals. Or option three, you want to see how far you can go with running and shoot to qualify, you know, for Olympic trials or becoming a professional rudder, uh, which of these do you think fits your goals the best? I would have to say a combination between two and three. Because, okay. Tell me a little more. Because this is my junior year now, and I also want to use um, my abilities in track to get a scholarship, a full ride scholarship to any college of my choice from the options and the recruiters that recruit me. And I also want to see how far it will take me, how far track will take me past college into the future. I do, I, I do want to like try out for Olympic trials and see where I can go with my ability. Well, that's awesome. Did you have any colleges that you're sort of looking at, uh, you know, being like the dream schools you'd want to go to uh, and, you know, based on what you'd want to study and uh, who has the best uh, track programs? Yes, so I was looking at, I want to study marine biology. Mm. Um, I was looking at University of Miami and also North Carolina A&T or Oregon because I was looking at their middle distance programs and it seemed well put, nice and stable for me. Um, and North Carolina A&T is not that far, so in Miami is not that far away from home, like a good five hours. I don't want to be that far. But Oregon also has one of the best, even though it's far, has one of the best middle distance distance teams. And that also might be good for me and help reach my goals in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Oregon certainly is one of the most renowned track programs over the last oh, 40 or 50 years or so. So, uh, yeah, that that's kind of the spot everyone wants to go to. But definitely on the East Coast, A&T has a pretty strong mm -hmm. program. Now, you mentioned your grandmother, Hazel Teal, uh, who's uh, someone that I've run with a lot over the years. She's a very dedicated runner at distances from 5K to ultra marathons. Uh, yes. what kind, first of all, what kind of inspiration has she provided to you as a runner? I would have to say the fact that my grandmother is almost 70 and is pro she's probably in the best shape of her life is a definite inspiration for me. Um, and she's like one of my biggest fans. And she runs longer distances than me, like 
that's great. Like, that's, like, wow, you know? So she's, like, just, she's a whole inspiration that, like, as a person, she's just an inspiration to me um, in running track and, like, moving forward and sticking to it and getting right. Do you think you'd ever join her out there for one of those uh, ultra marathons or maybe one of those 24-hour races she likes to run? No. <laughs> I'm so, no, I would. I, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it is too long. That's just too long. Too long. Yeah, you've, you've got different goals for yourself in running, and that's cool too. Uh, so uh, the last cool down question in running or just in life in general, uh, what are you most grateful for right now? I'm most grateful for the support that I have because my family, because a lot of like track, like a lot of my friends who run track don't really have that family and moral support and I'm really grateful for that that my family is here to support me because without that what would be my motivation and especially my mom like my mom is one of my biggest supporters and she's always out there and for the trackies and everything and I just think like thankful for her also really grateful for that too well that's really awesome I want to thank you so much for for coming on I you know I really appreciate your time and for being such a fun interview. I really look forward to seeing what you're able to do this year and, you know, the rest of your high school career. Uh, if people Thank wanted you. to follow along with what you're doing, um, you know, on social media or in some other way, is there a way they could do that? Um, yes. On Instagram, we actually have a team page called digital underscore Harbor underscore T underscore N underscore F. Okay, great. And that's a, sort of a team Instagram page. Uh, so we, yes. they giving updates on uh, recent results or upcoming events, that sort of thing. Yes. All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, well, uh, definitely we'll check in and uh, kind of follow you as you're going along. And uh, I know your grandmom's going to be uh, posting uh, photos from all of your events. Uh, so uh, we'll probably <laughs> talk with her about some of those things a little bit later. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Good luck in your upcoming thank season. Thank you. I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming Coach Greg Horinda to the podcast. Greg is a runner and currently teaches sciences and coaches cross-country and track at Pikesville High School in Baltimore County. Thanks for coming on the Running Around Baltimore podcast, Greg. Happy to be here, Glenn. This truly is a back-to-school episode, as Greg and I are currently sitting in my classroom across the hall from his, and uh, we're both working to prepare for our students returning next week. Greg has been working with athletes uh, for a few weeks already to prepare for the fall cross-country season, but we'll get to that a little bit later. So let's start at the beginning, Greg. Tell us how you got started in athletics and in running. Uh, so my family is really active in sports. Running specifically uh, started in fourth grade. We had a tiger track uh, and field program run by my coach, Dennis Muller. Um, and so I would go out there in fourth grade and run a mile every day. Um, we then also had different track events that we do on the side, uh, long jump, triple jump, um, long distance races and hurdles, you know, just learned a little bit about everything and, you know, had a lot of fun. There were a lot of key kids that were there and just a lot of good memories from doing that. So what did you like best about running track growing up? Uh, the fact that, you know, you could see how you could grow and become better at it. So, you know, like I said, as a fourth grader, I was running one mile a day. Well, then fifth and sixth grade got to start running two and three mile races and or uh, runs. 
then eventually you go think about running the five mile course and you could just see that progression and then there were the high school kids that were doing the 12 mile run you know and that was kind of the the top distance and so there was always some place to go and when I finally was one of those top kids in high school there was then college and other goals to be had so there's just always another level to get to. Yeah, so you did run in college as well. Uh, you know, what were your events? And, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Yeah, in uh, college, I did cross-country, indoor, and outdoor track. Um, in track, I was considered a 25-lap specialist. That means an indoor was running the 5K, outdoor was running the 10K. Um, whatever the longest race was, that's what I was doing. Um, so I had a great experience there, and... Uh, really set me up to be interested in coaching and was part of the reason I decided to switch, you know, my career path from, oh, there's our bell right now, uh, but from switching from a straight physics background to being a teacher in physics. Okay, and yeah, now your primary involvement in running at this point is serving as the head cross-country indoor track and outdoor track coach here at Pikesville. Um, so let's talk about your team first before we get into your coaching uh, journey. Since you've become involved in the program, uh, what have been some of the main accomplishments or strengths for your program and your athletes? We're really unique. Even though we're a small school, we have a real diverse group of athletes that can really go from a lot of places. When you think of some schools, you know, this school is good in the sprints or this good is this school's good in distance. Pikesville has been really fortunate to have quality athletes in all of the different disciplines, and that's really what's made us uh, successful. Um, our teams during my time here have won, uh, the boys have won indoor track uh, once and been runners-up twice. Uh, the boys won outdoor once at the state level for 1A, and the girls were also state champs in indoor um, once as well so you know being on one two three state championship teams and a couple other times we brought second place trophies home it's been a great experience yeah and for a pretty small school uh you've definitely always been very competitive uh one interesting thing is that you know you have some events that you don't typically see at a small high school program like pole vault uh what are some of the sort of unique uh challenges in keeping a pole vaulting program going um, we are lucky to have one of the you know top coaches in the entire state, known by just about everyone, Gerard Filosa, that um, was originally our our track coach, um, who did pole vault, and so we had somebody. So before it was always like, all right, go go work with Coach Filosa, uh, but as he's changed in his roles here at the school, you know, he's had to step away from being able to do that. So having someone that was qualified to coach it. And at first I was like, I'm not doing that. I don't know how to do that. But eventually we had to win some meets. So we had to have kids jumping on pole vault. So I learned, learned through some National Federation of High School Sports. They had some online courses, was able to pick it up. And then just having kids that are passionate about it. That's the other thing. You know, that's what got me to, to go and learn those other things is I had kids who wanted to do something and I wanted to make sure they had the opportunity to do it. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue to what I wanted to talk about next. As an outsider, I've been really impressed by your team's culture. Uh, your athletes are among the nicest young people that anybody could meet, uh, and uh, they seem to enjoy being together, training and racing, and are generally just good citizens in the school and the community. Is this more of a function of the types of students that uh, you're targeting to join the team, or has this been part of the culture that you de developed in the program over the years? I would say it's both. Uh, so number one, I think, you know, 
nice people just gravitate towards uh, the running sports. Um, you know, I hope to think that all my friends are really nice people, and so therefore, I think there is a correlation between that. Uh, the other thing, though, is you grow a lot of those characteristics by being in a running program because it's self-discipline, like being able to go out there and run. Um, but then also the learning uh, to be to have empathy towards other people because you realize that not everybody's at the same level and you get to see people grow and it's actually those people that are you know the newest or aren't the best that show the most growth in the quickest amount of time and like kids sit around and they realize like how much hard work everybody's put in even though we're not all at the same place and i think that's what translates into the schoolhouse uh and into their future lives of being you know self-motivated um being passionate about things and having a good way to talk with everybody. And that's great. So let's talk a little bit more about your team for the 2019-2020 school year. Uh, What are you looking forward to this year's group of young athletes? We've got a great group of kids that are returning this year. Um, In cross country, we have top runners in the state on both the boys and the girls side that are coming back. So we have high aspirations at the state level uh, to get accomplished. When it comes to track, we did lose a good crop of sprinters here, so we're looking for some of those younger runners that have been there with us to step up. And that's always the fun part. You start with a group and you're like, how are we going to replace them? And then some of these kids really show up and uh, prove that they are that they were just as talented, if not more so. Um, so I think we'll be fine in, during the track season here as we replace some of our seniors that left. Um, but when we look towards outdoor, we set a school record in the four by eight um, and we bring, bring back every single one of them. So, you know, we're trying to do a little bit more there, but continue to diversify. We've been really good at winning region championships um, and we just want to push that to the next level. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, yeah, I've definitely seen that four by eight group. That's a pretty uh, hard charging group of young runners. So let's talk about your journey in becoming coach Horinda. So was coaching a goal for you when becoming you know, when you're preparing to become a teacher, was this always sort of something in the back of your mind that, you know what, I'd like to be able to do that when I get older? Now, again, I didn't decide to go into teaching until I was about my fourth year uh, as a physics undergraduate. Um, Realized that research may not be the route for me, and I was looking at what my other options were. And I enjoyed teaching, kind of working with people. um, And I had a lot of good experiences. Uh, First of all, my Dad's coached me since I was a young kid, whether it be soccer. Um, He helped coach our cross-country team as well. Um, But, you know, having that role model that you get to talk to once a week, if not more, uh, really helps. But looking at the specific coaches for running that I had, I mentioned before Dennis Muller. He coached me from, like I said, fourth grade through 12th grade um, and helped me have a great senior year, opened me up to, you know, new things like running camps that I went to, the Pavo running camps in Michigan, um, and those were really important experiences for me. Uh, From there in college, Dave Worth was my coach at RIT. He had had a great career at Notre Dame um, and was able to set us up for success. And then when I got here to Pikesville, um, didn't even know the crew that we had. We had, you know, about six people who had all been head coaches for track and cross country in the building at one time. So we really developed a dream team and we came away with a couple state championships because of that. Um, but in all three of those situations, every single one of those coaches 
ran a meet. And I really think for me that was an important thing to see people that took initiative and charge of putting together, organizing, and running fantastic meets. And so when I came here and they had the Pikesville Track Classic, it was just like when I was in college and when I was in high school. Um, and I think those are some of the things that are the most fun when you get to put something together and everybody gets to experience a great time. Yeah, and it definitely sounds like you found a, a good place to land uh, when you started that teaching and coaching career. Uh, and I probably know the answer to this because I've seen you in action. Uh, but for those who don't know you, do you consider yourself more of a teacher that coaches or a coach that teaches? Uh, teacher that coaches. Um, you know, when I started, uh, I went to Pitt for grad school to become, you know, certified to be able to teach. And I had a wonderful experience learning things there. And so when I came in, physics was first. I was only a volunteer coach my first year. They actually asked me to join in indoor um, to help out a little bit more. And, you know, they it was always, hey, I'm, I'm going to be late. I'm not going to be there today because the teaching came first. And I spent, all, I mean, you know, for all the hours I spent coaching, I spent a lot of hours here late at night. Got to learn all the custodial staff very, very well because, uh, you know, sometimes it'd be the next morning before you were going home to shower quickly before coming in to make sure that your lessons were tight and ready to go. So definitely the teaching is a passion um, and the coaching just adds on to it. So I think they go hand in hand with each other. The relationships I develop in the classroom help grow my team. And then I meet kids on the team that I've never met, met before. And eventually I start teaching them later on. So I definitely think that they're linked. Yeah. And let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, how has being a teacher and, you know, interacting with these, uh, you know, student athletes during the day in science class, how has that impacted your ability to then coach them, uh, out on the track or, uh, in cross country? Um, well, it's fun when, uh, you have a kid who you've taught, especially since I teach physics, it's a lot of movement and deals with energy. So when I first started coaching throws, uh, when I had a thrower that I had coached, you know, you start talking with them about all the different ways we're accelerating, uh, impulse, and just containing the, continuing the momentum of the shot put. And at first I hate it, but then they're actually starting to use the words and themselves and trying to tell you, you know, what they saw. And they having that connection between the physical and the mental, I think, only helps both disciplines, both the teaching or both their education and their athletic performance. I mean, that makes total sense to me. Uh, I might have enjoyed physics a little bit more had I been able to have that teacher then coach me and apply all of those things in a practical manner. That would have been very interesting. But then coaching, I mean, being a coach and having a relationship with folks uh, that way then sometimes works its way over into a classroom, sometimes in a good way or sometimes in a bad way. So how has coaching impacted your teaching? Hmm. So you wanted to hear the bad things? Good or bad. Okay, good or bad. All right, wanted to make sure I yeah. got the question. Um, I mean, overall, it's just helped me learn, uh, be more open. Um, where I started and where I am now are not the same place, and where I am tomorrow will be different. And it's because of all those experiences you have, the different people you work with, uh, and the connections. It's great knowing other teachers in the county um, here in Baltimore, and you know them either through teaching or coaching, and I think it's just all related. Yeah, you definitely develop a lot of different relationships, um, you know, 
being a coach, uh, you know, with adults and with students. Uh, so the one thing about coaching is that, you know, you're still a runner. You, have, you might have your own personal goals as running, and if you weren't coaching three seasons a year, you might do a little bit more of it. So, you know, how has coaching impacted your ability to keep running yourself? Uh, it helps with that motivation in terms of restarting. So you know those times when you get off of running um, or maybe you've been running for a while but you seem you feel like you don't have a purpose. The cycle of coaching really helps reinvigorate your passion for it. Um, last year had the opportunity to train basically all year to do a half marathon. Um, and it was great that when I needed to do most amount of training that I wasn't teaching or coaching the summer. So I did a summer run and um, it was great to have that build up to work with kids. And being at practice too, you know, I tell them it's like, yeah, I'm running, you know, four days a week, you know, right now. And then next month I'm gonna be doing five and I'm just building myself up. Um, On top of that though, sometimes because of the schedule, um, I don't do all the little things I'm supposed to do. So this, as of right now, I'm currently on a physical therapy uh, because I kind of, you know, maybe stepped it up a little bit too much this summer. Um, being at our school, we have an athletic trainer, and it was really nice to be able to just kind of text with her and be like, hey, I'm having these issues. And she was been able to get me into um, a couple of the places here, MedStar, and now I'm at ATI um, doing some work. And, you know, if you think that it's not important to do that cross-training or that strengthening, Please rethink that uh, because otherwise you're going to end up like me and be on the training table versus out on the run. Yeah, and athletes never want to spend their time on the training table. So what was this race uh, that you did most recently and, uh, you know, how did it go for you? Yeah, we wanted to go out west, and so my wife and I decided we were going to do a destination race. So we went out to uh, Salt Lake City to do the uh, Deseret News Half Marathon. They have... A full marathon as well as well as a 10k and a 5k but it actually traverses the immigration trail that um they came into salt lake city um the mormon people came into the into salt lake city and so it was kind of neat to do that they drive you up in the morning from the university of utah you go right at their campus and they drive you up drop you off in the mountains and it was all downhill and so if you're looking for a fast time you know it was a great course to go run on um let's see there's only a little uphill right at the end and you could definitely tell the quads have been worked at the end of that but um was able to run uh, a great time for me Uh, i was trying to go sub 90 and broke well past that so i was happy with that um and afterwards they have a parade there uh which is a pretty neat experience my family got to come out and experience that part so if you haven't been to salt lake city before maybe take a look at that race next year yeah and definitely running out in salt lake is fun but uh yeah the quad trashing nature of that race is definitely something you got to prepare for and maybe that's uh why you're a little dinged up now but i must say greg this has been really really fun uh you know learning a little bit more about my uh, across-the-hall neighbor here and uh, getting in the mind of a, another coach and teacher. But So we've got a few fun little cool-down questions if you're ready for them. I am ready. All right, so your wife Claudia is a teacher also and also coaches cross-country with you each fall. Do you two uh, train together or do you try to keep your running separate? Uh, depends what part of the training cycle we are in. So like I said, sometimes we get off track with our teaching schedule. So when we start back up, a lot of times we'll maybe go for runs together or maybe plan to have workouts at the same time. Um, but then 
at other points we're completely separate so really just depends on where we're at in our training what our goals are at that time yeah that makes sense uh so you know you talked about wanting to do this destination run and you achieve that are there any other dream races or maybe running goals that you've set for yourself in the future Ooh, so yeah we got to look at the five-year plan here uh <laughs> with that in mind um that was number one was going out and doing that i mean i did a bunch of half marathons when i was in college that was the long run every week um so redoing it it wasn't that new um now speaking with some of the other members of my family my brother specifically he's always been very anti uh marathon so sorry for anybody that is a marathon runner um but you know the question remains you know should i maybe look at that um that could maybe be a goal here for the future and again you know coaching's only temporary you know once once this chapter you know ends um you never know you know what the next goal will be uh but again we'll see when that happens yeah, uh, as somebody training for a fall marathon, I'll, I'll try not to hold it against you, and I, I don't think our audience will either. So uh, last question, Greg, in running or in life, uh, what are you most grateful for right now? Um, right now, uh, you had mentioned my wife. Um, Claudia is just like the best thing, and people ask, you know, it's great being able to work together. We get to ride in sometimes. Other times she won't ride in because I'm coaching, and she knows I'm going to be here late. Uh, but she's definitely, you know, my best friend, and um thing that helps me get going and with that it's you know just family and my faith you know having all of those things together it's never easy but you know when you have those things to lean back on it helps you get through the tough times all right greg that was all awesome uh and i want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast if people wanted to reach out to connect with you on social media or maybe you have a team page uh for your athletes uh is there a way they can do that or do you uh stay off social media for the most part, I've been off of it. It's been uh, impressed that, like, upon us that we could open up a, a team Twitter. Uh, so maybe we'll get to that. But otherwise, you know, if you navigate to Pikesville High School, you can find my email pretty easily through there. All right, Greg. Thanks again. Uh, good luck with the upcoming cross-country season and, uh, of course, with the start of the school year next week. Thank you so much, Glenn. Before we wrap up episode 19, I'd like to thank all the people who helped to make it possible. A special thanks goes out to Karen Carey, Bruce Sadler, and Rachel Rosenblatt for sharing experiences at their recent races. Thanks to Coach Buddy Weber from the Baltimore Roadrunners Club for his training advice. If you want to reach out to Buddy directly, you can do so by email at runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com or at runningcoachbud on Twitter. Thanks goes to Coach Greg Horinda and Nia Warren for coming on to share their running stories and to discuss the upcoming cross-country and track seasons. And of course, thank you goes out to the Kelly Bell Band for the use of their music in the podcast. Go to www.kellybellband.com for more information on this incredible group and to find out where they'll be playing, including this week at the Ravens kickoff uh, celebration. Last, but certainly not least, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for your support of the podcast and for telling your friends about it. I make this podcast for you, and it certainly wouldn't exist without your support. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode, but until then, I'm headed back to school, and I hope to see you running around Baltimore.